Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sean Couturier is here to stay, signing a contract extension through 2930 season. A whole rest of the decade with Sean Couturier. It's a big one. Let's talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 85 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here as always. It is a big one, a monster one for the offseason. That's for sure. It's kind of rounding itself out here for the Flyers offseason mode with Chuck Fletcher. Uh, but as always, as a guy across from me, Scott Weinhart. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Hey, man. Look, I don't know how he pulled it off, but that's unbelievable how that cap hit is 7.75 per season for the next eight years. That's yeah. for a, a top center in the NHL. That's incredible that it's under eight. And it's only it's only a, you know, a couple hundred thousand over – uh, Kevin Hayes, who unfortunately his brother passed away last week. We'll talk about that later on, but mm-hmm. um, it that's, this is great news for the flyers. It's great news for flyers in general, that they're going to have some stability there on their top line for a guy who is still under the age of 30 and still, I mean, a couple years away from it actually. And he'll be what in his mid thirties by the time this thing wraps up. So it's not like it's going to push him to the late stages of his career. Just really put it on the, well, it'll definitely be on the back nine for sure. But, this is a good, good deal for the Flyers. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't think there's much. I actually had to go and look it up because I didn't see it in the initial reporting or anything. At first, I was like, "There," and it has the no move clause as as it, a t- contract like this typically would have. But I didn't see that touted touted anywhere. So I was like, if Chuck was able to somehow get this in a without a no move clause, and they had the complete. But I think it's only right that they give these, these kind of things, especially to players like Sh- the Sean Couturier's of the world, the eventually what we hope to see in Carter Hart down the road after his contract. Uh, his He obviously just signed, but obviously the one after that could be the monster one that we've been waiting for or are hoping for that it could be for a guy like Carter Hart. So when you see the no-move clause, a lot of people look at it and say, well, that could be bad for the franchise but i think it's just a a a showing of respect on both sides of the aisle in terms of the team and the player when there's a no move clause involved yeah it can get dicey down the line as you were saying this goes into sean's mid-30s so it's not the end of this career but it, it is it is on the back nine as you said 
but when there's a no move clause involved, I think it's just a term of mutual respect between the player and team. And it's a good thing that I'm glad to see Sean Couturier was able to get that in there as well for, especially for, as we keep saying over and over, especially for how friendly this contract is because it gives them wiggle room down the line, whether it's figuring out what they want to do with Claude Giroux. And we'll get into that in just a second here, because that's the big question. Now, what do they do with Claude Giroux? But just in future, any signings, whether it's on the team currently or not, uh, this creates enough wiggle room for sure where Chuck doesn't have to be hamstrung by a player like uh, uh, Sean Couture and all of a sudden it goes downhill because of that that hamstringing. So it's a good it's a good thing overall for sure. And it, it, it's and credit to Couture. He gave him a team discount like he probably could have made a substantially m- m- uh, more money on the free agent market if it got to that point. Thankfully, he never did. Possibly, possibly, but I think part of the reason of the discount that we're seeing on that AAV is because of that no movement clause that you mentioned. Now, having that in the last year of a deal, it's modified. So the team does have an option to present him with teams in 2029 or 2030. The Flyers aren't where they need to be at that point and want to move on from him and get value back. Sure. Present a team. He could be either, either the player can present a team, a, a bunch of teams that he would be willing to go to. You try to work out a deal that way. I, I mean, Look, we're, we're talking seven years down the line, and this the best thing about this contract, it doesn't kick in until after this upcoming season. Having that at that hit, though, that's only going to help the Flyers in the future because that's going to give them more flexibility as the cap goes back up to normal and starts going, you know, getting as we get to this flat cap era in the next year or two and start really seeing the NHL's revenues really tie back into things. And that cap number is going to probably skyrocket. I would say by the time this deal is over, it's going to be close to the $100 million mark. I, w- I would have to think seven or eight years from now, the revenues, inflation, the, 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 the power of the dollar and the Canadian dollar, how all that will factor in, that cap number is going to be higher. So this is going to look like a, another major deal. Now, look, the deal he's coming off of now, and, and arguably the prime of his career, just he's coming off of, he's on the final year of a six-year deal. That's only paying him 433 and that's the annual average value. Now, this year I'll make 4.75. But what I really like about the structure of this contract, and if you look on cap friendly, is that the Flyers are getting more value than the contract and the first in 2024, 25, and 26. And they're even years in 23 and 27. And then that's when you see where he's actually getting paid less than the actual contract AAV. By then, though, like I said, if that, that cap is close to 100 mil at that point, that's negligible at that point. You you'd have other players should probably be due Carter Hart. If he's still on the team at that time, yes, we're talking eight years down the line, but Carter Hart, if he's still on the team, hope he'll probably be making big money. If he's still on the team at that point, you have other players to be due for big money, younger players that will be coming up. A guy like Wade Allison, Igor Zamula, these younger guys who will be veterans at that point. All that is really structured well to help the team into the future. And it gives the flyers a really good window to keep Sean Couturier as their main centerpiece going in for a long time with money that's actually worth it if you ask me yeah for sure and 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 i think this just leads to one big question now and i think everyone has been asking it what does this mean for claude drew i like and it's a legitimate question because obviously claude has been off the books also since uh, or is off the books after this this uh after this upcoming season uh he's on an expiring deal and they're and as you said, uh, told me off the record, I missed this, that, or not off the record, off off the pod. Um, the, co- the the mutual agreement between player and team is Claude Giroux is just going to negotiate next offseason. 
Um, I always tend to lean towards that's a, a red flag more than anything. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I understand it for sure because you don't want to be distracted in the middle of the season, especially now that we're back into the 82 game swing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to contend. We both are in agreement that this team is much is better than they were last season with this, con- uh, with this roster overhaul overhaul. But like, I don't know. There's always a red flag in my, there's always a, an ear perking up when I see we're not negotiating. We're not going to do anything at all until, the off season when the contract is that same season or that same off season that the contract's expiring. That's just me. I think that that's where I lean for, especially for a guy like Claude Drew. I feel like if you're going to figure this out, you want to get it done sooner than rather than later. But uh, it seems like both parties are just like, you know what, we'll figure this out in the off season of, of 2022. And I think there's two parts to this. First of all, like you said, it does cause distraction. Contract negotiations are contentious, regardless of your agents doing it from not. Now, Chuck Fletcher and uh, Drew's agent, Pat Brisson, had, um, have talked and have agreed to wait till the end of the season to renegotiate. And there's a couple of factors that go into this. First of all, it's your cap. You got to see what's happening with the cap next year. Forgive me, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know if it's going to be a flat cap again next season or if revenues are going to come back and raise it up again. I apologize. I'll look into that. Um, but if that flat cap is there, you've already got a problem because you're already pretty much at the cap now. Now, his money's going to be coming off the books, and I don't think he's going to be wanting to raise over to say $8.275 million. But it does get a little strange because now you got to figure out longer term what you're going to do here. I think the idea is going to look at from if you're looking at it from a hockey, a business perspective, that's number one. Is that okay? Yes, the, the cap value is coming off the books, but how much is Claude Drew actually worth? This year, his base salary is $4 million. He's got a million-dollar signing bonus. He's making five. That annual value is a lot under what that is, which you would expect at a player at this stage of a contract in his career. Secondly, also, is that it's it's just more or less a, a fit. Is it, is it time to move on from Claude, from Claude Giroux? Is it time? Is he still an effective player? Is he going to be worth five, four, five million million in your cap for the next three or four years? Because, listen, he'll get another contract, but you can't expect it to be a two- or three-year deal. He's going to be looking longer term, like a four or five year deal. Do you want that on your cap for a guy who's going to, when he starts going downhill, is going to go downhill quick. And the only reason I say downhill is that not that Claude Giroux is going to become a bad player overnight. It's just physics. It's just nature. Look what happened with Danny Barrera. When the Flyers bought out Danny Barrera in 2013, Danny Barrera had his uh, best season beforehand in 2010, 2011, 2011, 2012, you really saw him take like a step back. He just took a step behind a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're, Mother Nature waits for no one. You, the, you do have Father Time owns all. You will eventually start not be able to keep up. So eventually he'll have the hands to be able to do everything still, but it won't have the speed. And when you get in your mid-late 30s, when you're a speed guy like Claude Giroux with an effective skill set like him that has based a lot about it because of his speed, you got to wonder, it, it, he's going to be 34 at the end of the season. That's not a spring chicken. And, and you know, as, as much skill and as much of a, of a piece of Flyers history that he is, you have to look at this as season as a whole and say, okay, do we, it, can we commit another $5 million to this guy for another four or five years? Is he worth that money on the cap when we have other talent in the pipeline? Just prepare yourselves, though, because at some point, Players do move on. This is not something that is uncommon, especially in the NHL. When a player hits his mid to late 30s, sometimes you got to say, hey, look, thank you for your service. 
We'll always be appreciative. You'll be a legend here. Your time to move on. It happened to Bobby Clark. He retired. Bill Barber retired. We moved on from Brian Propp. Moved on from Ron Hextall. You moved on from Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, Mark Recchi, Rod Brindamore, Keith Primo. Some of those out of control, of course. Chris Pronger, Danny Briere, Kimo Timonen. At some point, you, you got to know when it's, it's time to get younger in certain areas. And I think it'll come down to this. At the end of this season, depending on how good of a season Claude Giroux has, he's in a contract year, so he's going to be motivated. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. Look. That was going to be my point. I think this this is one of the reasons. I think Claude is one trying to prove himself, and I think in a in a. I don't think undis- he's got anything to prove. I don't think I don't, he's got anything to prove. Right, but I think I think if he has another career year, I'm not saying he's going to have another a uh, hundred point uh, season. But if he can get back in the 80s, low 90s somehow, like if it's very uncommon, but a motivated player on an expiring contract is a motivated player on an expiring contract. There's something that they do. It's just kind of that that little switch in their head that they can get to a point. Now, I'm not I'm not predicting that he's going to get to that low 90s. No, I think he's more of a high 70s, low 80s at this point in his in his career. So if he has a another career year. Well, then he's going to look towards not eight for sure, but he's going to look towards JVR who's making seven. Like it's going to, it's, it's not going to be that big of a, of a, a of a drop off unless Claude is in the same mindset as Sean Couturier and going to take a team, team <clears throat> discount, but we have no indication of whether he will or will not with that. And well, and that's, that's the thing is that you have to base it upon what's he going to do this season. If that money is going to be worth the production. I mean, Right. I, I, I use Danny Briere as a reference because they're very similar players. And all right, they're both smaller guys. They relied on a lot of speed, had a scoring touch. But when they went downhill, they went downhill fast. I mean, think about it this way. Like I said, his best season was in 2010-2011. He scored 34 goals with 34 assists, had 68 points. That was a career high for Danny Briere. It was actually yeah. for, for goals. It was an unbelievable season that he had. The following season, 11-12, Yes, it was still Peter Laviolette. That's when the, the, they changed the core up. That was um, that was Simmons' first season. That was Voracek's first season. He had 16 goals and 49 points total. And everybody's going to remember the goal he scored in overtime. But the reason why the Flyers bought him out was the following season he played in 34 games and had 16 points. 16 points. Right. And they after that, he went to Montreal, played 69 games at 29 points. 2014-15, his last season in the NHL, 57 games, hit 12 points. So what I'm saying is that when when you start losing that speed, you go downhill quick. And at this age, it it, it happens. So think about it this way. Danny Briere was 34 years old when he had his best season as far as goal scored. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's 33 and turned 34. The following season, he hit 34 years old, and it just wasn't the best the same. So you have to look at it from a whole and kind of prepare yourself and say, okay, we locked Sean Couturier up because we know him is going forward. Yes, I see your point about that. Sometimes it, it could be worth it. This could be something where the Flyers, hey, we want to keep a legacy player here. We want to lock him up and keep him around because he's good for our room and he's good for our team and he's good for the marketing because it's still Claude Giroux we're talking about here. But from a hockey perspective, is Elaine Vigneault going to be – is Claude, is Chuck Fletcher going to want to use resources to put a guy on the ice that Elaine Vigneault is going to put on his bottom six because he's just not producing at the level he's accustomed to producing to. So that it's seriously a lot to weigh. I mean, lots riding on that this season, but you don't want to get a situation where, Hey, you got to resign Claude Drew. It's Claude Drew. He put up 60 points this year. He's still got it. And the next thing you know, he turns around the next season and has 25. 
That's right. Really, that's I, that's that's the problem you get into. I I, le- I continued. I'm looking at the because like let's look at the unrestricted free agent. The restricted free agents don't really they matter, but they don't matter in this scenario because you can create the cap space for unrestricted free agent much easier than a restricted free. But the restricted free agents, other than Claude Giroux for the Flyers this upcoming season, don't. The only significant one that is going to demand a high amount of money is Ristolainen. He's bet he's on his he's also on an expiring deal at five and a quarter or five point four million. He's going to look into the sevens, possibly the eights from in, reports. Whether he's worth that or not is certainly up for debate because we know that th- this was a very uh, a, a a lightning rod of discussion when they made the move for Ristolainen. We both, mm-hmm. I think, have settled on this was a good move. It is a risky one for sure. But if it works out, you're going to have to pay him because you're going to want to. He's 26 years old, and you're going to want to keep him around for a long time to be part of that core. Especially because if he's playing well, that probably means Ivan Provorov is playing really well, and you're making some moves here. So there's a there's a lot of moves. There's a lot of out outsourcing factors that are out of Claude's hands. Like he could have a great season overall. And then the flyers are just like, listen, we're still going to move on because we just don't have the money. And we'd rather bank it on Ristolainen. Now there's obviously trades that they can make to free up cap space. JVR is the top guy right there because he's making a lot of money and he doesn't have a no move clause. He's coming in at seven and AAV. So you could move that. And all of a sudden you're playing with a lot more cap space and, and money that you can deal with and dish out to a guy like Claude Giroux for you can risk that four to five years, even if he does take a drop off. I think the difference, if I remember correctly, the difference that I uh, th- that I see with Claude Giroux and Danny Breyer is, yes, they were both speedsters, but Danny Breyer had an act for getting in front of the net and fighting for the, the deflections and pucks and, and the garbage goals. If I remember correctly, especially on the power play, he got in the net. It was in his office, and he spent like and Claude is not a goal scorer, so he's always going to play on the wing. We we've both said that ever since he started playing full time on the left wing, he felt a lot more comfortable and not as pressured to do what he had to do at center with with the face off, including the face off. So well, playing two hundred full feet too, that does take a lot out of you, Danny yeah. Briere. Yeah, Danny Briere was. Knack defensively, but he, he they moved him to the wing at some points later in his career. But it just, I mean, it didn't work out the way it seemed was for Claude. Look, here here's the other factor too that you might want to take a look at is people might want to start opening up their eyes to see what's available in 2022. It depends because you have to factor in what's the most important position besides goaltender, your defense. Yeah. So Colton Pareko is a guy who's available next year. He's a UFA. So if you if Ristolainen doesn't happen to work out, you don't want to have the price for what he is able to bring to you. Maybe you go out and you spend those resources instead of bringing back Claude. You tighten up your back end and you get Colton Pareko, something along those lines. So it's not just so much about Claude. It's about where the team is at, where the holes are at. So, so for instance, let's just be real here. If Claude goes out and has a great season, you know, hey, look, you, you, you might not have a choice but to resign him, but if if negotiations get contentious and he wants like six and a quarter million per year, you know, you're not going to pay that to a 34 year old. Regardless, you understand it's Claude Drew, but you're not you, you have to look at it from perspective of the, the, the money does matter at this age. Big time, like a young yeah. guy, like Sean Couture, you can throw it at him. You know, you're going to get enough out of him. And Sean, you're not- Kevin Hayes did the same thing. And you're not really dealing with anyone that's directly connected to Claude Giroux. And what I mean by that is you're not dealing with a Paul Holmgren or a Bobby Clark that is 
Well, Bob, uh, Paul Holmgren's still with the organization for whatever godforsaken reason. But like these guys draft. You should be a Hall of Famer for if you're not, if you, for, for all intents and purposes, especially in the Flyers. He's held every position in the Flyers front office. Yeah. So he should be in the, the Flyers Hall of Fame, if anything. And he should be a consideration probably for one around the league, too. I would, you know, people probably knock that, but he was, he was done a lot around the league. So don't say, why Paul Holmgren's done a lot. Well, what, I, what I mean is just like he was at the epicenter for when the bad contracts were going out, like just bringing back. But that was where the league was at that time because sure, you had no farm system. You but it no didn't work system. out. You, you blew up. The, I, 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 but regardless, oh, no, 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 no. Don't finish the debate. You're not going you know, to start a debate. You don't want to finish. No, no, no. What no, I'm no, saying no. is Paul Holmgren was just dishing out co- bad contracts left and right. And it hindered the the franchise for what we are now. We're still trying to reel in from that, and that's why it, well, that's where the league struggle. was at that time. That's where the league was because the Flyers before that did not re- they traded away assets because they were in win now mode. They they never thought about rebuilding until they really had no choice. I mean, think about it. Let's, let's take a step back here if you really want to talk about that. Hold on mm-hmm. a second. Yeah, the year they didn't make the playoffs in the lockout, 2012-2013. They had a good young core. They already got up, made their moves. They had traded Richards. They had traded uh, traded for Couturier and the and the, and the Carter deal. Yeah, uh, getting that draft pick from Columbus, and they kind of restocked their pool. Then you know they had a young core. They had Simmons. They had Voracek. They had um. They have on D. They had still Braden Coburn at that time. They had they had an overall green core. And then 2012 13, they they damn play didn't play that well. Peter Lobby let was starting to run a little thin on them. They go out and realize that Brisgall is a big problem. They go fix that contract. They buy it out. They're bringing Steve Mason. You know, they have some solid goaltending there for a couple of years. And then they fire Laviolette. They get to the playoffs. They had good young players there. The problem was when it came to that point is instead of the, I would say the worst deal that he did, there was two really bad deals that kind of hindered him back at that time. It was LeCavier and it was Andrew McDonald. Now McDonald, for the amount of money, there was, he's a solid defenseman, but, but not don't for forget the amount Br- of money he was Bridge making. Gal- Bridge Gala was a terrible contract as well. You're still paying yeah, that Yeah, but that wasn't, that wasn't Holmgren. That wasn't, that wasn't Holmgren. That was Mr. Snyder. Now, Mr. Snyder wanted well, that yeah. happen. Sure, but, that's, but the, they... The, that's the key is that at that point, they were in win-now mode. They were in win-now. They knew they had the core to get it done, and they just never got enough pieces together and that cap problem by sending a guy like Vinny the cat like oh this is the move that's going to put us over the top and you really right. realize oh but now you see why tampa bought him out you know that's why they really changed is that they homer did everything he could but they just didn't have enough time to restock the system or the college free agents they had didn't pan out they depended on matt reed to do a lot more at the time everybody remember matt reed matt yeah. reed just fell off a cliff one season and didn't land up to the contract so that's the problem that happened at that time. That's just the way the league was going then. Then everybody took a step back and said, we got to build through the draft. we got to build through the draft. And now you're seeing the fruits of that labor by these young guys coming up. Like Wade Allison's going to – I think Wade Allison's going to be an impact player this year. You still have Igor, Igor Zamula in the, ring, uh, in the wings, who's a defenseman who will probably be an impact player at some point and probably could replace him if it doesn't work out with Ristolainen. So the, to summarize everything – Home, don't forget, Holmgren rebuilt a team in one season after a disastrous move by Bobby Clark to bring in Mike Ratchie and Darian Hatcher. Got him to a conference final. Two years later, got him to a Stanley Cup final and then had built another one to get him back to the final. And Chris Ponger gets hurt and everything fell apart after that. So you can't really say he's handing out those bad contracts left and right because he was setting them up for long term and it just didn't happen to work out. That's all. Fair enough. So when it comes to a contract like Claude, fair Giroux, enough. End of argument. That's I, I mean, it. I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk was, about it anymore. I don't well, want to talk get back about to, Paul Holmgren anymore because God knows why get, he's in the organization. <laughs> I want to get back to Claude Giroux because 
when you're dealing with a guy like Claude and Chuck Fletcher, who has no connection to Claude, it gives more incentive for Chuck to say, I'm done. We're going to move on. I, I, I think Chuck has I no real no connection. Like I, don't he, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking no, about emotional connection for. There's what's that? I don't know why you're talking about a connection, though. That doesn't matter. It it absolutely can. No, it does not matter. If if you're if you're Bobby Clark or Paul Holmgren in that room at the negotiating table with with Claude Giroux, you're more sympathetic to his cause. No, you're not. You're not. You you don't get emotionally. You do not get emotionally attached. You can say that as much as you want, but you absolutely do. And a GM, a good GM would not get emotionally attached to players. You don't do it. Right. But I'm saying that Bobby Clark and Claude and uh, Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren would. No, I, I I totally disagree with you. That's that's asinine. Why would somebody would get emotional about that? That his, his player. Because whatever. when you're dealing with a franchise player like Claude Giroux, you want you feel like you need to have him in orange and bat and orange and black for you, his entire not for the amount of money. And, and think about it and like you think it's yes from a marketing standpoint, yes, it would be a yes. change of scenery. It'd be a big hit because for flyers. most Absolutely. Flyers fans are emotional. Most Flyers fans are certainly emotional and just want to be able to say, I, I have a Claude, Claude Giroux jersey. And that's the marketing aspect. There are, there's, oh, yeah. there's How many absolute, people have Eric Lindros jerseys. There's still Eric Lindros jersey. That's just my point. But they moved on with him and no problem. They would do the we, same thing to Claude Giroux. They moved okay. on with John LeClaire with no problem. They would do the same yes, thing. But they, they didn't want to move on from Eric Lindros right away until they absolutely had to because of injury. No, they absolutely did because he didn't want to play here anymore. Right. Part of it, and two, it was just it was done here. Like you were getting value for a guy, they weren't going to move him, and that's the case. If there was no there's no emotional attachment with a guy like that, there's 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 not. You just you don't do that. The NHL GMs do not think like that. Fans do, and it's fine. Fans can get all emotional they want over it, but at the end of the day, it's still a business. A GM is going to make the best decision for the club, for the franchise. That's exactly what's going to happen. And if Claude Giroux is going to be paid and wants to be paid six, six and a half million dollars and is only putting up 50 points. Well, as a GM, I'm really going to think about that and say probably not because my top player makes 7.75. That's it. You don't pay any more than your top player. And Sean Couturier just set the flyers at the limit of what they're going to pay out, which is great. But yeah, that's a good point. You're, you're not getting emotionally. You're not getting emotionally attached to a guy like Claude Drew. With all due respect, I'm not. I'm not trying to dis, discount anything that he's ever done for this organization. He's been. He's been the face of the franchise for a decade now, and it's great. But at some point, you need to move on. You moved on from Bobby Clark. He retired. You moved on from Eric Lindros. Your other big face. He, he he traded him away. You moved on from a lot of other players. You moved on from Kimo Timonen. You moved on from Danny Briere. You moved on from Ilya Bruzgalov. You moved on from a lot of different players. Well, it, and sometimes Ilya, Ilya is a on. terrible example because Ilya played his way. Ilya out of was here. brought in here to be a face of the franchise. You don't sign a guy to nine point five million dollar deal to, to be able no, to, to no. Do that. See that I, they were so desperate for a, a goalie because they were disappointed in Bobrovsky at the time when he was in the farm system and working his way up. He had a couple. Uh, he had a cup of coffee, as you say, in, in the NHL. Shined a, a little bit. Then fell then fell apart in the playoffs, and they said, "Nope, we can't do this. We gotta, no. we gotta get no. the guy." And he they signed fall. they signed Ilya Burzgalov to a stupid deal. In hindsight, at the time, I was fine with it. I admit, everybody but was. As soon as you saw what happened, like forty five games into that first season, second season, and then especially early in the second season with him, you knew it wasn't going to work out here. You knew it was insane insanity that they were trying to do this. 
Yes, but and it was a desperate move. In. It was a desperate move by Ed Snyder, who God rest his soul was knew he was at the at at the end at, 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 in his last uh, chance here. So he made a, he made a knee jerk reaction and said, "I got to do this," and it backfired in all of their faces. Paul Holmgren, uh, Ed Snyder, every every last one of them. Okay. So that's let's, an emotionally driven. First. That's an emotionally driven contract that I'm. That, okay. That I'm. Saying. And also, yes, he was the best player available at that time. Yes, you want to rewind 10, 10 off seasons ago. Yes, okay. But also, you don't sign a guy to that much money if you're not willing to be in your face of your franchise. It blew up in their face. Yes, not going to argue semantics from ten years ago. But if you want a history lesson on why that happened in the first place, it was because Peter Laviolette did not give the leash. To Sergey Bobrovsky. Now, look, you want to look hindsight. It actually worked out because Sergey, Sergey Bobrovsky's won one playoff series his entire career. He's been a one of Vezina Trophy a couple. He's won a Vezina Trophy. He's been one of the best goalies in the league. Can't win a freaking playoff series. So, sure. yes, I understand that. But also, he had to pull back and forth because his backup at the time was Brian Boucher. And with all disrespect, no disrespect to Boucher at all, Boucher carried him a lot in that 20 in the 2010 playoffs, carried him up to that point. Boucher played very well during that 2010-11 season, but they both got short leases. They both had a couple bad games and it led to instability. And that was embarrassing for Mr. Snyder. That's why he went out and did that, thinking that Briz would be better. And it turned out that it, that completely blew but up. You just face. said it was embarrassing for Mr. for Ed Snyder. That's emotional. If you're embarrassed by something, there's an emotionally driven uh, reaction. Well, it was embarrassing the fact that he signed with that much money and it blew up in his face. It's not yes. emotional the fact that, hey, look, we're a goaltender away. The best goaltender in the last couple seasons is available. We need to throw the money at him and get him and try to win this cup. That's not emotional. That's trying to win. So I don't think that looking at yeah, this. Yeah, but was- even then, even then, I remember if I were, if my memory serves correctly, their offense and their defensive play was not that good either. The whole system seemed rotten at that point. Well, when it, uh, well, it wasn't exactly right. No, because they finished the season before it behind Vancouver for the President's Trophy. And then they just fell apart okay. in the playoffs. Right, okay. They beat Buffalo. They beat right. Buffalo. And then they got swept by Boston, who wound up winning the Cup. Right. And so the whole that was after the, that three, was, the, the 3-0 deficit year. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the year after the 3-0 year after, Yeah, right, right, right. That's so the, here, the key is, is that if you're looking back on that decision there, and you want to compare that Briz situation to the to the uh, to the uh, Jeru situation? They thought that at that time they were a goaltender away from really winning that thing. They and could they, 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 they were so, they okay, wrong. They weren't they, wrong. They made up. They they might not have been wrong, but they also might not be wrong in thinking. Depending on how this season plays out, the contr- the because the, the playmaker Claude Giroux is a playmaker. That is his style of hockey. If they realize, hey. The playmaking ability of Claude Giroux, who all of a sudden has, I don't know, pick a number for a number of assists that would satisfy you as a listener and you, Scott, be like, okay, he contributed enough. We got to get a a, a goal, a one more goal scorer in here, and then maybe Claude Giroux can uh, win us the cup. Like what I'm saying is you could be in a situation, again, where you're signing emotionally Claude Giroux because you think you're a piece away from contending in 2021, 20, or excuse me, 2022, 2023, and you sign him to that astronomical number of six and a quarter for four years, five years, and then you're hamstrung, especially if nothing happens. If if they win the cup in 2022, 2023, no one's going to give a crap because you want you you bought yourself gravitas with the fan base and you can do whatever you want for the next three or four years. Look at what happened with the Eagles after they won the Super Bowl. After three years, that's when the fans start to turn and you fire a guy like Doug Peterson. 
That's what I'm saying. Like that is where we're at because if Claude Giroux, if they, because they can easily convince themselves that Claude Giroux is the piece that they're missing in that scenario where they let his contract expire, which they're going to let him let it, let it go. They're letting it expire. They're, they're going to, they may sign it. They have probably have first, first rights, quote unquote, because Claude is, I, I would imagine Claude Giroux is going to try and want to stay here as long as possible. You saw his interactions, uh, it, not this, this current uh, off season, but the one before, right before the uh, 56 game, when Sam Karshidi said, how much longer do you see you're playing? And Claude Giroux got pissed because he won anticipates keep on playing at 33, 34, 35, 36, on and onward. But he's also, he wants to be here. Like, I don't think there's anyone questioning if Claude Giroux loves the city of Philadelphia. I think he does. But if, if the money's not there, he's not going to sign back here. He'll he'll go back to Ottawa and just, Make his money and not. <laughs> well, Ottawa's not even close, so no way. Right. No, 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 no. At that point, if anything, if Claude removed one, it would be a contender to be to, to to win a cup. But I, he probably thinks his best chance is here. And, and go back to where I hope, and got, then got, and then got, and then you're talking about a scenario of a team discount, which is entirely possible. And that you can't always you can't always depend on that. No, you Some can't. Player, you like can't. Jimmy, you can't. Jimmy Some players gonna wait. Yeah. Listen, this is gonna probably be Giroux's last contract. Let's be real. He's he's a 34 year old player. It, like, put a percentage chance on it. I this should have been the lead 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 in to this. The percentage chance that Claude Giroux don't speculate on a season, uh, the season he has. Okay. If, okay. At least if you're gonna like, if you were gun to your head right now, what is the chances from zero percent to one hundred percent that Claude Giroux is a flyer? For 2022, 2023. 50. See, I, I'm like 65. Um, 50%. Because it's like any, anything other in free agency. If a guy, if, if, and here's the key, and you brought up at the beginning. Because you also they're not the fact- talk, they're not having negotiations. And you, you just said too, remember when Sam Carcitti, our buddy Sam Carcitti, asked him if how long you went to stay and he got mad. Yeah. That's what happens in contract negotiations. They get contentious, they get back. Back and forth. The team is not trying to overpay. The player's trying to cash in and get as much as he can. Listen, the loyalty be damned. It, it doesn't happen too often where a guy like Sean Couturier is going to probably play his entire career here. Yeah. We thought the same thing about Brian Dawkins in Philadelphia. Look how that happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's uh, very, it's, never mind. It's very, it's very possible. I'm just making a point. Like, no, the, point. the like, Brian Dawkins is such a, it's such a goofy one because they could have signed him, but it doesn't matter because. But they did. It was they the didn't. Joe you, Banner at the time. You, you, I would. Remember when Merrill Reese came on the air in like 2007 and said Brian Dawkins is going to finish his career as a Philadelphia Eagle with this contract? And guess what? He was gone a couple years later. Just right. making a point. So, um, look, it, it's it's a 50 percent chance. It could be anything. Anytime a guy gets to UFA, anytime you get him going, you get you got to look at a guy's intentions. They have a chance of winning. And how much money are they going to make? I mean, at the end of the day, from the player's perspective, too, it is a business. They're trying to make as much money as possible. And if they can go to a contending team who's going to throw six and a half, seven million dollars at them, chances are I'm going to weigh that. Some guys don't have the galls they used to have to be able to do that. Some players like I would think that Claude Giroux does and, and understands his piece. He's an important piece here. And going someplace might be a major change of scenery at this point of his career. He's got a family now, probably doesn't want to move them. All those things matter into a player. So that's why I'm saying it's 50% though, because it's not so much if Claude doesn't want to be here, is if the Flyers want to bring him back. Let's not let's not forget that too. This is a two-way street. He may want to be yes, here. The Flyers a- may not be able to offer a contract though, or not offer a contract nearly near the value where he wants to be or where he should be. It's very, very possible. 
It is possible. It, 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 it anything is possible, and that's really what it comes down to. I just think if 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 this happens, it, it it's I feel like there is a chance that Comcast Spectacor, David Scott, the CEO, they pressure Chuck Fletcher into being emotionally driven no. because of fan base no. outrage. No, if Claude Giroux is no. not in on Orange no. Jack. No, because I would tell you right now, I would tell that is not going to have nobody's going to pressure to anybody to do this. You're going to do what the best thing is for your hockey team and the best thing for the franchise. And sometimes, but I think they're going to moving on is necessary. Yes, but I think they're going to convince themselves that Claude Giroux is necessary for them to win a cup in 2022, 2023. We don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know if he comes up and plays 20 points, he has 20 points this year, or 25, 30 points or whatever. Is that going to win you a Stanley Cup? Might be a great locker room guy, but you got other guys who can step up the role. Yeah. I'm, I'm just making a point. And, and look, just, and I, just so I'm clear, I want Claude Giroux to finish his career here because I think it's an important thing for a player in this day and age, especially to play his entire career with one franchise. I think it's extremely important. It doesn't happen often, but it, it got, it's very rare. But you create a legacy. The only problem is at this point with Claude Giroux's legacy is that he's never going to get that monkey off his back until he wins a cup. Yeah. Like at this point, it's not about money probably for him. It's about winning a cup. And he's that's it. He went to the final in the second year of his career. He scored an overtime game winner. He led. He was near the top of the team points, and you come up a game short. Yeah. And every player will tell you. Every player will tell you. You you never you may never get back. You may never get back to a cup final. So for him, that's priority number one. If you're asking me. So that would really depend on how the Flyers do this season. If a he wants to come back at this point, because when you're 34 years old. And you have star power like him, you kind of have an ability to go where you want to go and say, like, for instance, say that a team like Colorado is like, oh, wait, we're not going to bring back Andre Burakowski. And because he's a UFA, we're going to bring Claude Giroux instead. And that he's the guy who puts Colorado over the hub. That could be very well a possibility there. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that at this point, that's why I'm saying 50%. There's just no, I, you won't budge me on that until he signs a deal. It's going to be 50%. A uh, b- couple more things on the document, but th- I just thought of this question. So if the disastrous happens in the 2021, 2022 season, and this team just is, is not going anywhere, everything blew up in their face. Chuck Fletcher is, is, is fired or is on the, yeah, he won't be fired. Cho- be, chopping block, whatever it has to make a move. What are the odds at the trade deadline? They move an expiring contract like Claude Giroux to a contender because they're trying to restock the cupboard and trying to figure out what they want to do here. I'd do it hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent, and I think that that's what Chuck Fletcher would do if if the season goes bad. Well, if the season, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say this: if the season doesn't start up as well as it should, and they don't, they're not, if they're not pushing for a top to, a top seed in the conference. AV is not going to make it through the season. He's just not going to make it. Yeah, I actually thought about that, and I think that's a, a bigger discussion. I think you and I should have on what the what AV is facing this year, but I agree with that. I think there is a, he's not going to get fired after three games. No, that was, that was embarrassing. Yeah, that was a, that was a disaster on all levels. Again, emotionally driven. I don't think so, but either way, it was not emotionally driven because the reason why is because Snyder came out, even said it was just a poor training camp. You should have did it before. Yeah. 
He was on thin ice before that five or four season. He was. I remember. Ties. Yeah, I remember the previous season. We were talking about the idea of what would happen if they got rid of Laviolette, and they didn't. So we said, and I think the whole agreement was okay. I guess they're giving him one more season. Still three games in, and he there. was gone. Yeah, and that's that's not you can't. It's not football. You can't do that. Right. You can't do that because it, it didn't take him until almost January to really get going. Because they went on a big slide after that. I don't remember that season. But anyway, uh, I just think that with this season here, there's, there's a lot riding on this. First of all, AZ, no matter what anybody thinks, regardless of COVID or not, AV's on the hot seat. If AV can't get this reestablished core and these players to play at their peak and they're really pushing for a top spot where by Christmas time, you're going to see him on thin ice and they're going to make a change there. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because we've seen it in the past plenty of times where teams make a change and that's what they've gotten over the top. Happened with Craig Berube two years ago, happened in Montreal this season where they got to the final because they made a coaching change. Happened with the Flyers in 2009, 2010 with Laviolette. So at that point, if they're underperforming, you might see a move there to jolt that team to get them going. But you're right. If they're not competing, if they're not really pushing for a playoff spot by the time that the deadline comes around, then you got to sell some of these assets off and you got to think, okay, you know what? They hate to do it, but we've got to, we've got to figure this out again. But I, I think with this, the way with this team is constructed, I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be near the top. It just comes down to this execution and how well are they going to mesh by the time the holidays roll around? Cause don't forget, you're not going to really know what this team looks like until about Christmas time. So yeah, yeah we're both in agreement there. Uh, before we wrap here, uh, in addition to the uh, Sean Couturier signing, we saw Travis Sanheim avoid arbitration or was it through arbitration? He got this two year deal. Uh, got, got arbitration. And I know that our, yeah. And our last quick show we talked about, cause it, it had the potential because uh, either two things can happen with arbitration, a player can elect it or team can elect it. So if, if they're far apart in a deal, the team actually doesn't often elect arbitration. The team elected it. So the thing was, though, is that what happened is that the way arbitration could have worked out is it could have been 15% lower than his current contract. It can't be below 15% or more than 50%, 15% less, but it could have been 15% less based upon that. But it are it, it where arbitration kind of gets in the middle. The one team wants to give you this much, the player wants to give you this much. The arbitrator comes in and says, Okay, you know what? You're gonna pay him this much because you did this, this, and this. The team can be able to do this, this, and this. It just kind of merges the, the table in an RFA situation. So, um, they got a deal done. It's a good thing. Travis Sainheim being locked up for a couple of years is a very positive thing for this team. We'll probably see a lot of minutes with Rasmus or Stalinen, hopefully. Uh, hopefully. you know, and yep. uh, yeah, hopefully, see a lot of minutes with that, have some stability there. That'd be some stability good for Carter Hart and Martin jones who i think are going to have i think for i'm just going to go out on a limb and say this i don't know why i'm just feeling it not carter hart but i think martin jones is gonna have a career year this year interesting mm-hmm. i See, think carter hart's gonna get back to normal but i think martin jones is really going to reestablish himself as being able to be a starter he might be one of the guys you want to flip at the deadline to be able to do that. i was gonna if, say so because you're if, if carter hart is back to where he was in 2019 2020 you're still banking on him being the franchise guy for the next decade right. or whatever the number is correct so martin jones could be a flip but then the risk runs into uh what are you doing the backup come playoff time that's going to be right. an interesting discussion i like do you hope that sandstrom is is the guy i think that's a lot no, very I think if you're risky. gonna trade you're yeah. gonna make a trade for a goaltender if you're gonna try to flip for someone but i'm saying i'm just thinking that martin jones might have i think he's gonna have a career here i don't know why i just have a feeling with this defensive structure you're gonna see what martin jones really is back when he was a couple years ago and not with the last two seasons with the sharks yeah one of our episodes before the season starts is gonna have to be like five each of us give five ball prediction for the season 
I think that I think that'll be a fun Ooh, podcast. five ho- hot take bold predictions. Yeah, five hot take bold predictions. We'll lead into that oh, bit. Oh, oh. Uh, you got anything? I'll tell else? you what. I'll tell you what's a what's a hot take bold prediction. I think you should put that picture that's on our Twitter feed right now on your, no, your Facebook profile. Absolutely not. That beautiful no, picture of that. No, you know that whole thing no, you got going on. Not there. doing. Not not no no. I I have dignity, sir. You just no. caught me. At, I was trying to type. I was typing out the rundown for tonight's episode, and you're making me look like a fool. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, anyway, uh, you got anything else before we wrap here, Scott? What do you? Oh, if you have not already, uh, check out our our podcast with Matt Davies from our bonus episode for uh, Operation Tattooing Freedom. Fascinating episode. A really great organization to helping our men and women in uniform, and they now more than ever they're going to need it. Obviously, uh, with what's going on. Uh, and then obviously we want to send out our condolences to Jimmy Hayes and the entire Hayes family. Uh, it, it's our condolences from the orange and back check family. You're with us. You're, uh, the entire time. Uh, nothing more to be said. I mean, it's just a tragic situation. Horrible, uh, to see a, a guy like Jimmy Hayes pass away. Young man in his early thirties with two kids. That's a really a sad thing. And the, I, the upsetting part is, is no one knows why or anything yet. And that's really the saddest part. So our, you know, I, any, and I'll say this to anybody who goes out and starts questioning things about Kevin Hayes and how he's going to play the season before that, like go to hell. Like that's, this is, this is complete shock to the family. And I really give props to a lot of people up in new England who are doing the stick taps and uh, on the streets and having parades of hockey players, hold their sticks up high for them. That is a, it is a really sad thing for a guy who had a decent career in the NHL. Um, and even more so, more importantly, uh, a family man with two kids, absolutely, absolutely beyond horrible, beyond yeah. horrible. Our condolences. So th- uh, our prayers and thoughts are with the entire Hayes family. Uh, again, we thank you so much for listening. That's going to do it for this episode, episode 85 of Orange and Backcheck. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Orange and Backcheck. You know where to find us, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to our fan ba- uh, mailbag, contribution we'll do maybe one uh leading up to the season with bold hot takes uh again thank you so much for listening see you guys next time here's a hot take claude Giroux ain't coming back <laughs>